0: Here we are. What's this? now well, we so rarely get a chance to celebrate, but this time we must. Celebrate? Yes. It's Christmas. Don't you remember the police station? Christmas? So it was, yes. Here's a toast. A happy Christmas to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, Doctor? <laughs> Sir? Incidentally. A happy Christmas to all of you at home.
1: And that jarring cacophony, prefaced this time by a festive toast from the Doctor himself, tells you that you're listening to the Power of Three podcast with three lifelong Doctor Who fans, and I'll introduce them to you shortly. Discuss, enthuse and occasionally criticise a trio of products related to our favourite show. That might be televised adventures, both classic and recent. It could be spin-off novels, books about the show, biographies, magazines, basically anything that gives us the excuse to talk about Doctor Who. And now to introduce my co-conspirators, say hello, Davy. Good morning, everyone. Compliments of the season. And say hello, Kenny. Hello, Kenny. Best of felicitations. What do we think of Christmas specials? I mean, I, I seem to remember I mean, we were all so caught up in the success of the first season uh, mm. when, it, when it came back in two thousand and five. To me, it, once again, I keep going on with this same theme. But to me, it was validation as a as a as a Who fan. It was. Yes, it's not just the fans that love this now. It's it's the whole country.
2: I think that's very fair to say. I think the fact that the Eccleston run and see wasn't just showed that everybody suddenly loved it, and to be put as part of the Christmas schedule showed that it was popular. It was an absolute success. It had been a ratings winner. It had brought in brought back family viewing, and to have that on Christmas Day just showed it was an absolute you know a highlight. Of christmas day 2005 with us, particularly the arrival of a new doctor as well yeah. give it something different and unique
3: it was very exciting wasn't it i mean and it, and it very quickly became a tradition i mean I, I think within three or four years you know the radio times and heat magazine and all that was sort of saying it feels like we've always had a doctor Who christmas specialist yeah. that it's become the absolute sort of center point of festive viewing i always enjoy them to a point i think they're a bit of a mixed bag Well,
1: we'll come on to that when we talk about the the three that we have individuals, uh, as individuals, have chosen. The problem I have with the specials is that by the time 7 o'clock comes on a Christmas evening, I'm really ready for a wee nap. (laughs) And there have been a few, actually, where I, to this day, have never seen the end. Oh, really? Yeah, so uh, The Runaway Bride. I I don't know how that ends. The doctor wins. Well, I gather that. And also the there's a big explosion. The husbands of River Song. I, I, I still haven't seen all of that. River and the Doctor live. Um, oh, I don't need to bother Which right? Much. Which one was <laughs> that?
3: Two was that the was that the one after Peter's second series? Yes. Right. So that's two thousand and fifteen. Is that right? River's oh, the, I, the. Yes, and then Doctor right. Mysterio was the next year. Right. Okay. Right. And then
1: they don't they don't have them Christmas specials anymore.
3: I, it's kind of weird. I, I, I mean I felt like on um, Christmas last year like you know. After, after a good, what, 10, 12 years of just sort of, like as you say, making keeping the excitement levels up and trying to stay awake for that. You know, yeah. 7 o'clock, there was nothing.
2: yeah I was quite <laughs> happy to get a wee sleep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, the very first um, Christmas special is what we're going to talk about now. If David can read the intro for that from TARDISFandom.com and then, Kenny, you can talk about this and why you've chosen it.
3: Certainly, right. So, this is the... Um, the, the entry for The Daleks Master Plan. So, The Daleks Master Plan was the fourth serial of season three of Doctor Who at 12 episodes, running five hours in total. It remains the longest undisputed Doctor Who story to date. See, I'm, this is me, I'm raising my eyebrows already. Um, the 14 episode season 23 was broadcast under the single title, The Trial of a Time Lord, but there is debate as to whether this should be considered one story or four interconnected stories. It's one story, good grief. Oh in that case, it's the key to time is that one story. Yeah. The whole blooming thing. Is one Anyway, right. Back... So, back to the point. Currently, only episodes 2, 5 and 10 exist in the BBC archives, plus brief sequences from episodes 1, 3 and 4. Among the surviving clips include the scene of Katerina's death that survived due to it being shown on an episode of Blue Peter in 1973 that was not junked. As episode 7 was to air on Christmas Day, it was decided that it should be a comedic episode with little to do with the overall plot, based on the assumption that viewers would either not be watching or would not want to watch the continuation of a grim Dalek tale on this festive occasion. Notably, this episode saw the Doctor break the fourth wall by turning to the camera in the closing moments and wishing the viewer a happy Christmas. That's not what he says. Anyway. The story was intertwined with Mission to the Unknown, which acted as a prologue by setting the scene and introducing characters necessary to the plot of the Daleks' master plan. Katarina, only introduced in the previous serial, became the first companion to die while travelling with the Doctor. Katarina's not a companion. Later in the story, Sarah Kingdom, who was introduced during this story, was played by Jean Marsh, became the second. Is Sarah a companion? Hmm. This story saw the first appearance of Nicholas Courtney in Doctor Who. It also saw the monk make a return. The first individual antagonist to get a rematch with the Doctor who oh, I love the Dalek Master Plan. No, like. no. But it's such a great entry as well. Yeah, yeah I, I I've, one I've, one. there might have been some editorialising on my behalf. Oh, I was just that. about
1: to, to give that um, you know <laughs> warning to uh, to listeners. Can you can you notice the David's own footnotes inserted <laughs>
2: subtly into the text? You can spot them there if you if you're watching this, you can see little numbers one, two, and three popping up in the right hand <laughs> <top top> corner <laughs> of your screen. So guys I had to select this one as the original Christmas episode of Doctor Who. It is very, very bizarre. I mean, considering it, it's, we don't really actually get to see the Christmas elements of it, no doubt they would have appeared on screen as elements, or as we'd have seen the, the Christmassy-looking street. No doubt there would have been a Christmas tree in the police station or something mm-hmm. like that. There's, <laughs> a, there's a reference to the Christmas decorations. Yes, I mean, I, I, yeah, and have you had... And I think there's a reference to Sarah having had too much to drink, perhaps. I want um, to be to a party or something, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, that's right, yeah. But it's, to me, it's, it's very, very bizarre. It doesn't, when you're listening to it, it doesn't particularly feel Christmassy. It just, it just feels quite fillery. I mean, to me, obviously it's been written by Terry Nation, who was a comedy writer for Tony Hancock before he got the Dalek gig, of course. And you can actually see this is why... And Tony Hancock get rid of him because I don't think (laughs) it's that funny. Is it? The first half of it is it raises a couple of grins, but the second half is just where it all goes to pieces in Hollywood. I think there's some really nice stuff there. There's some great a great wee in joke. Obviously, it works better if you're watching it when you find when there's the the gentleman referring to his missing greenhouse, and the doctor makes a reference saying, "Oh, didn't we meet in the market in Jaffa?" Because it's the same actor who Ah, played the. The gentleman there, uh, Ben Dahir, um which sounds like an adult film star's name. Actually.
1: Well, well, and of course, Doctor Who in those days, they would never have dreamed of getting an actual um, Muslim or, or Arab uh, actor. Yeah. The all white actors blacked up.
2: Yeah, um, I think it. I mean, it's an experiment, as a one-off. I think it's to me, it's absolutely valid. It's it's quite uh, take your brain out, just relax, and watch the silliness as they go about. I think Hartnell's having an absolute ball with this one, getting the chance to, to play up the comedy of it, as uh, everybody obviously regarded him as being a pretty straight, hard man actor, even when he did his Carry On film. Did He's you? pretty much playing the, the straight, miserable sergeant. So at the end of the day, did you enjoy it? If I did give it a mark out of 10, I mean, obviously I wouldn't enjoy it as much as, as Dave uh, enjoyed um, some previous stories, giving it full marks. Mm. but uh, Hold on. Were you want to say something to the boys?
0: Yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> was, oh, I no, I thought you were chatting. Well, that's, that's just what we do.
2: That's what we do. I thought
0: you were uh, having a coffee and eating your rolls, and I'm banging about in there, and then. Sl- Actually
1: slamming the door.
2: Twice. So it would be nice and quiet. Twice, <laughs> twice, really twice, because it. didn't so a really joke. So I, I made a joke about With it. I'm going. <laughs> it was fine. It was
0: fine.
1: But
2: anyway, oh, no, don't
0: was
2: really don't I, bad after that. No, <laughs> don't. <laughs>
0: absolutely
2: right, fine. Absolutely fine. Take care. See you soon. I think I'm going to keep that in. Yes, there's that's something we don't get too often. The fourth voice joining us here on the power of three. Yeah, I think the second half is where it really
3: does go to pieces where obviously it's the silent movie spoof with captions would have been appearing on I screen. Think it, it's, it's a difficult one to appreciate when you're only watching a reconstruction or listening to it. I think you really have to. I think if we were to, able to watch the original episode, would get a better sense of what they were trying to do. I Did think.
1: those but, captions. Appear on screen. I wasn't. I wasn't entirely clear if they had been made for the reconstruction. In the script. yeah, yeah.
2: they are there.
1: Yeah. See, I think that's a really clever I and funny so touch. Yeah.
2: That is. It's just I mean, a shame that we can't see the Keystone yeah. cops running about. I mean, there's the reconstruction. That yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. It's quite bad with Stephen running along with the Keystone cops, and it's yeah. even got them sort of doing
3: that comedy knees up. Yeah, there. yeah. I think it was that the loose cannon one. I've, yes. read, I've seen that before. This time I watched a different one. I think you're absolutely right, Kevin. You say it's a filler. It is. I mean, it, it feels like a. Christmas Night with the Stars sort of sketch, starring the Doctor Who cast. Um, it's fair to say that it doesn't really advance the master plan though. No, not much. in the slightest. Which, which is fine. I mean, I think, like, um, I, I really, you know, as, as you're big, big Hartler, big Purvis fan, so I really enjoyed it. I think the first half is brilliant. I love the scenes in the police station when um, the Doctor's been arrested and picked up and, and Stephen comes in and, and is like, we know all about him in G Division or K Division or whichever it is, and the Doctor asks Stephen What's wrong sure what you're doing that accent for. Is it, is it Peter's doing his his scouser? it's like, well, everyone else is doing it. It's cracking, but as you say, I think the second half was probably just a bit more visual in the telling, and that's the one that really kind of suffers because we can't watch it properly.
1: I, I, were they were they mocking mental illness with the old guy with the greenhouse?
2: No, I, I never took it that way at all. I think it was just a uh, just one of those bizarre ones that the cops get because it was part of it. originally that the plan was. <laughs> the master plan was to have some of the Z cars cast come in, of course, and do that. Mm. Which I think they some of the surnames were retained for the novelization by John Peel when he did that of cast members, but yeah, I don't think it was. Uh, um, I, I never took it in any way. Th-
3: the thing that's always struck me is, um. I fully expected at any point now there there's to be a sequel story which explains that that man's greenhouse was a shed you know, that actually belonged to the meddling monk or was the master's TARDIS <laughs> or right. was the doctor's TARDIS travelling through. That, in, I feel that's inevitable. Someone's going to do a short trip about that at some point, you know. Actually, I do quite like that <laughs> oh That kind of works.
1: Let me ask I'll, you.
3: I'll write it. Let me ask you both a question, uh, since
1: you're far more in touch with fandom than I am. Has there ever been, or is there even today, effort to try to explain the breaking of the fourth wall at the end and somehow merge that into some kind of continuity. I have no idea.
2: Off the top of my head, I'm sure the theory that I read was that the doctor is doing this message for anybody who may be following his adventures on their own space-time visualizers, as introduced in the chase. <laughs> Aye, right. So there we go. That's that's no, my mean, reading of it. I like
3: it. I, I think it's. I love it. It play again. It just goes into what was saying about it. It's like a an extended sort of you know Christmas sketch. It's like you know why not? I I, some, I know that I'm. I get the impression that some people are actually annoyed by it, and I'm like. Yes, that's, that's what that's what I was getting saying, at. No, don't be. Why? Yeah. It's it's a disposable bit of fluff. You know they they pick it up you know, the next episode it's, it's New Year's Day and Trafalgar Square and all that sort of stuff and then they, can, they just rack on to the plot. It's, it's a Dalek-less way? Yeah, <laughs> very good, I like that one.
2: It yeah. um, was something I thought about was how good the cast are. I think they're, they're having an absolute whale of a time. The yes. fact they're able to do something different, particularly Peter Purvis, is, is showing yes. some really good comedic touches, which obviously we get to see more of mm. in The Gunfighters, when he's able to properly play it for laughs. I think Jean Marsh as well, she's... Obviously, she's playing quite a, a steed a street character. Well, they've
0: got to. Hello, hello. What are you doing hanging around here on Christmas Day? Nothing. Surprised to see a police box here, I suppose. What? Oh, you think it's yours? Well, not mine exactly, but let's say it belongs to us, eh? Uh, so why don't you leave it where it is and just move along, eh? I've got to fix it. Fix what? The scanner eye. The scanner eye? Yes. Oh, you do? Yes. Oh, well, we usually get the jokers round here at Christmas time, but we have to be lenient. So, uh, just move along, eh? I can't. Oh, yes, you can, young lady. That's enough of joking. I'm sure you're going to enjoy yourself at that party you're going to, so why not go down there now? I'm not going to a party. Well, whatever you are going, dressed up in them fancy clothes. You leave now and there won't be no trouble. I've got to stay here. Now, you take my advice, young lady, and leave now otherwise i might have to run you in for loitering or something like that i wouldn't like to have to do that i've had a bit of uh, trouble like that already tonight you see uh, we don't like people hanging around but at christmas time we have to be lenient and we don't want to make it too difficult for you but oh very well have a have a have a string in time funny girl
2: i've got a special affection for part of this story with bizarrely and um, the scenes with Sarah and the chainsaw when it's going to cut the women in half from mm-hmm. the Hollywood bit because when I was working in the mirror group and newspapers we upgraded our computer system and we were given full access to the Daily Mirror's picture archive and of course me being me is like oh wonder what Doctor Who pictures they have so I had to look inside this system and lo and behold there were something like 24 little negatives showing Jean Marsh on the TARDIS set and on this chainsaw set from the Feast of Stephen which very few of them have ever been seen elsewhere some of them obviously there are other photographers were along the day and took similar shots but there's some really gorgeous ones of her inside the TARDIS you know, beside the console and mm-hmm. um, some of them appear in the doctor's 30 years of train travel still available from the <laughs> daily mirror uh, at <laughs> a bargain price um, and some because they were so low res they hadn't actually been scanned in properly they'd only just scanned the original negatives so they're a fairly low resolution unfortunately but you can still make out of them well enough in fact they're also on my twitter
3: yeah if you scroll really back from a while before. ago yeah
1: so so this 30 years of train travel is it well written
2: do you think I think I think it's actually really well done. Fifty years of time
3: travel. Did I say thirty? Yeah, did. My yeah. goodness, I mean,
2: fifty years of time 50 years travel. Time travel. <laughs> it's just the guy who wrote
3: it can't count. That's all. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a copy. I, I didn't feel um, I, I didn't I didn't buy it out any sense of obligation or <laughs> for being crowbar. Have you ever read it, Tom? Yeah.
1: I have not. Tom, would you like uh, a copy? Because like <laughs> I've still got about. 10 I seemed, left in I the I seem to remember you promising me that about ten years ago, and I still <laughs> haven't seen it. Your maths
2: isn't very good either. Obviously, it only been six. <laughs> <laughs> six. <laughs> No, all in all, I would say that The Feast of Stephen, which has actually got a great pun in the title, and it took me years to realise that, I I never even realised that for years, it must have only been about 12 years ago that I finally, the penny dropped and thought, hang on, Feast of Stephen's with a PH,
3: but our Stephen is with a V. It's quite, you know, I think when you read it and take that into account, it's quite a sort of... Scary. It could be a, construed as quite a scary sort of sounding title in a isn't it? You know, the feast of Stephen, as if you know, Mister Mister Taylor's going to have a, a bit of a hard time of it. He's been chopped up and eaten. Well, certainly, yeah.
1: The word feast has all sorts of ramifications. Yeah. If it was the if it was a modern who feast would probably mean a very dark thing indeed. I yeah.
3: what, I mean, what did what did you think of, of what you saw of it?
1: Well, I have seen it before I, during right. during my marathon run through. Of course. Uh, just on this occasion when I went to watch it again, for some reason I don't know why I couldn't find. The, the second 15-minute part on mm. on YouTube. It, it, it's, it's distracting. I, I, I enjoyed it because it's different from every other episode of you know, Classic Who. Um, it's interesting that they never repeated, as far as I can remember, they never repeated that experiment of having a Christmas episode with any of the subsequent
2: doctors mm-hmm. in the Classic era. Um, I think it was the only one that was shown on Christmas Day. That's correct.
1: For and that also, reignite.
2: this was the only episode of the black and white era that was never made a, a tele-recording made of mm. onto film. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah. never planned to sell it abroad. So of all the missing episodes, this is the one that's least likely ever to be found. Uh, which is a shame. Yep. Uh, no, I I enjoyed it.
1: It was distracting. It was funny. It was pretty bizarre in, in places, uh, for obvious reasons, you know, with the Keystone Cops and the Hollywood um, scenes. I, I thought it was a funny idea that they would turn up when there's a woman being cut in half by a chainsaw, by a buzzsaw, and they feel that they have to go and rescue her. I think that's, that, is a, that is a funny idea. It was original. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. We asked on our Twitter feed what fans' favourite Christmas episode, Christmas adventure, is... And because they're fans, they can't just give an answer, can they? They, mm. they can't say, well, this is my favourite one. They oh, have to say, well... A, cu- a couple of people did. Did they? Most yeah. of them that I looked at said, well, my favourite is this, this, and probably this, but if not that, then this one. You know, <laughs> just, just pick one, mate. Pick one. Yeah. That's what we've done for this episode.
3: Yeah. I'll, I'll read out a couple of the, the sort of individual replies I got to mind. So um, my good friend, Joanna Floyd, she said it was a Christmas invasion. Um, which, you know, is an absolute classic. When we do when we do the Christmas specials again next year, I'm sure we'll talk about that one. And there's confidence that we'll still be of going this <laughs> way. Yeah. And um and Tony Macklin told me that he, he had a real soft spot for the, the husbands of River Song. But then he says I'm I'm a sucker for all things, Capaldi. And my very, very good friend, Mr Steve Higgins. Hi Steve. Challenged me to read it. Because Kerry was talking about us all reading him in Eurotrash-style accents. Okay, Steve challenged me to read his out in an American accent. But I love you too much to try, so I'm not going to bother. Oh, go on, you oh, go. It's a, Christmas. I'd have to try to do a Steve Higgins impression. The Doctor, The Widow and The Wardrobe was the first episode that aired after my daughter was born. So it holds a special place in my heart especially since it's about a parent wanting to protect yeah. her children from heartbreak. Right, there you go. Are you happy? <laughs> and um, John Struggles told us as well, but I don't think I... Did you get that one? I did. He came later on, Cool, as it were. Right, I'll be back to you in a
2: second, John. I've got one here from Walter Dunlop, who's a good friend of mine from university. Uh, Walter uh, was born in Northern Ireland, but uh, <laughs> moved to Scotland and doesn't have any hint of an Irish accent whatsoever. However, that's not going to stop me <laughs> giving him one now. Whoever misses. Uh, so we asked Walter... He says he has three favourites. The next doctor for the Quality Street Victorian <laughs> Christmas and David Morrissey being amazing. You can tell I've been listening to a lot of Nadine Coyle recently and I must glad to get me out of here. He I also wish, likes- I wish you could see Tom's face, everyone as he reacts to this. We've also got Twice Upon a Time because it seems to be made of pure magic and fairy tale. And his favourite is A Christmas Carol because of everything. But mostly for Matt at his most Factory. <laughs> so there you go. You can see that I'm actually a master of linguistics. Have you as well. ever? You
1: heard, heard, have, you have you ever met, met anyone from have Northern met, Ireland? Yes.
3: If you ever heard? <laughs> um,
2: or, or Ireland or out th- with Scotland. <laughs> <that's yeah>. No. I was <laughs> quite amazed by how you cany- Is um, here's another one for you. We've got Cara Denison, who is an American author and fan who follows me on Twitter. So hello, Cara, with a K. Hers is. Do I go for an accent? Oh. No. No. Um, I'll, I'll save some accents for later. Hers is an even split between A Christmas Carol and Last Christmas, though Song for Ten and it's theme from The Christmas Invasion always come to mind as its own little entity, which I get because it is such a rather nice song. We've got a new doctor all renewed and ready to go. And we also have our, our friend Melvin Peña agrees. Hi Melvin. He says, I do love Song for Ten from The Christmas Day Invasion. Sang it at karaoke once.
3: Which is great yeah interesting it's one brilliant to you should you should look it up try and find Melvin he's got his own youtube channel so um Melvin doing a, the, the song for ten is fantastic and i'm not just saying that it's brilliant hmm. as for true
2: holiday hashtag doctor who faves the next doctor is up there as is last christmas folks dumped on it at the time but the doctor widow in the wardrobe satisfied emotional needs for me in 2011 and i remember it fondly and of course on audio i think better watch out and fairy tale of salzburg from ravenous 2 Rivals chains of midnight for talk doctor who holiday honors well we can read out a few more later on yes indeed but in the
1: meantime <clears throat> i am going to read out the uh, what tardisfandom.com says about Davy's favorite doctor who christmas special the next doctor was the 2008 christmas special It was the show's fourth Christmas special since its revival and the fourth Christmas special starring Tennant as the Doctor. They like writing Christmas special in these things,
3: don't they? Take a drink every time someone says Christmas special.
1: It is considered one of the 2009 specials and was released in the DVD and Blu-ray box sets along with the rest despite airing in 2008. The special featured the return of the surviving Cybermen from Pete's World that crossed into N-Space and the guest appearance of David Morrissey as what appeared to be a future incarnation of the Doctor, but, in actuality, was a red herring. However, it made the Tenth Doctor ponder his eventual demise and set the wheels in motion for his final story arc, which foreshadowed his death. This is the first Christmas special to take place in a past era instead of the present day. This episode also marks the first time that the Doctor has met someone who is upholding his legacy of fighting for justice and the rights of the oppressed without having met him before. Jackson Lake is at least the third person to know about all of the Doctor's other faces, following Riversong and Clara Oswald. That hadn't occurred to
3: me when I was watching yeah, it again. Interesting, yeah. So anyone that follows me on Twitter knows that every time Big Finish sort of say what box set, what you know, what ideas do you have for a series that we could do, or who should be revived, or which characters from the series should should we bring back, everyone that follows me will know that I always bang on about wishing they would do another do a box set with David Morrissey as Jackson Lake. Um, not only is the next Doctor my favourite. Doctor Who Christmas episode. It's my favourite story of the revived series. There's, there's two reasons for this. Um, the first one being I think it's just such an excellent story idea. You could almost lift it up and drop it down into any other Doctor's era, and it would flow perfectly. You, know, you can imagine Peter Davison has having it as a Christmas special with you know Brian Blessed perhaps maybe guest starring playing Jackson Lake, you know that sort of thing. It's an excellent idea, and just and just one of them, um, just one of a few ideas that the um the revived TV series has ripped off from Paul Cornell's um Doctor Who novels. Um, and the, the other reason that I like it so much is just that um, Dave Morrissey's performance is just, it's astonishing. Um, big fan of the actor anyway. Um, he was really good in programs like State of Play and of course Blackpool, where he worked with David, with David Tennant. But he's, he's off the chart on this, he's terrific. He The range of emotions that he gets to play, and it never once sort of slides into sentimentality. He, he, he plays Jackson um, when he thinks he's the doctor, very much almost in, as a doctor, and kind of like cross between John Pertwee and Colin Baker, you know, very dashing, um very articulate, more articulate than me, and there's just there's so much as we gradually sort of realize that that you know he's not who he initially seems to be and we find out what happened to him and and it all gets played out and he and he gets to sort of, you know, you know come through at the end and the the final scene when um when the two Davids going at the TARDIS and it's just it, it honestly brings a tear to my eye because it, it's just joyous. Um what I I love this story. Quick question. Yeah. John Pertwee. Yeah. Pertwee? Yeah. Pertwee? Yeah, that's what I said. No, he said Pertwee. Yeah, yeah. You put the emphasis on the Tweet. On the Tweet, not (coughs) the Pertwee. John Pertwee, yeah. Okay.
1: Okay, John Pertwee. We're not getting anywhere, here. No. (laughs) Did you like it, Kenny?
2: I really enjoyed it. I watched it last night again, and yes, thoroughly enjoyed it. I think David Morrissey is superb. He very much has the feel of a classic Doctor, and it's quite interesting to see the contrast between him and Tennant. So you've got obviously the out- even just from simple things like the outfit, it's very doctory. You've got the coat, a waistcoat, and just the whole image of them looks great. And there's some fantastic gags in there, particularly the sonic screwdriver is great. It's, it's a screwdriver, it makes a sound. Tap, mm-hmm. tap. I think we've got a really good villain in Miss Hartigan. I think she is fabulous. F- first after. name, Mercy. Indeed. Um, i would forgotten that, thank you Tom, but uh, well, actually no, I did, I just put that in for a joke. Um, I think she was particularly quite cold and chilling, particularly when she has all the, the undertakers murdered and taken over by the Cybermen and it's such a great image that the Cybermen in graves, like graves and all the gravestones that were around in the snow definitely felt very Victorian, very Dickensian, felt very authentic to me. I was quite was quite taken with it. I remember watching it at the time and thinking, oh, that's not what I expected. There's a lot more a lot more fun in there than, than um, I don't know why I wasn't expecting it to be as much fun. Because I remember actually at the time the first paper to reveal the name of this story was The Daily Star. And those of us in the UK know that the Daily Star isn't always renowned for its accuracy or factual correctness or indeed anything other than ladies with large bosoms. This revealed um, long before transmi- transmission that the next script would be the next Doctor. And, of course, this was recorded at the end of the production block um, and it was recorded way in advance. So, of course, the big spoil for this one was we knew that by the time this went out that yeah, Mr Tennant was going right. to be leaving. Yeah. It. Mm-hmm. And David Morrissey gamely went along with the fact that he could have been the next Doctor
3: and played the game with the media. Which I, is remem- I remember bumping at Alan McGowan in Central Station and I was talking about that and sort of and saying like, you know, I remember very clearly, I was saying, is it a blind? You know, could they, are they being so blatant that, and this was a thing, if memory serves, there'd been photographs in the, in the papers of the, of the, the filming, of the two Davids together in costume. Yep. And I'm sure this was just that when I bumped into Alistair, that this was just after the stolen earth had been on mm-hmm. with that cliffhanger. You know, with the doctor having been shot, at the Dalek can mm-hmm. start to regenerate, and we were sort of feverishly sort of speculating. What have they got, Morrissey? Is he going to be in it this week as well? You know, it was like it was, aye. But was there was great. quite
1: a, there was quite a lot of fan uh, optimism that it was Morrissey because mm. most people agreed
3: he'd have been terrific. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I think he's um, I think he's a brilliant actor. There's a there's a story I tell that, that a few years ago. I mean, how when was it two thousand thirteen? Yeah, I'd, I'd gone down to London as usual on my own for my birthday for a few days. And the the couple of days before I went down, I'd sort of binged on, I think it was at that point, series three of The Walking Dead. I'd watched about six or seven episodes in a row. And was sort of thinking, oh, Dave Morrissey's brilliant. He's the best day in this. I love Dave Morrissey. And then the next day I was walking up Oxford Street about to pop in at the big HMV for a browse and <laughs> who do I bump into coming out of the shop But Mr. David Morrissey. Fantastic. And he, he was lovely. He didn't flinch when I said hello, didn't flinch when I mentioned Doctor Who. He was happy he posed for a selfie. Let me take it again. Um, even retweeted me. He was great, you know. Oh, great. I worship at the altar of Morrissey. <laughs> I, met, I
1: met him once at a reception at the uh, House of <laughs> mm-hmm. Commons and got chatting to him and uh, he was just terrific. I think at the time, I'm trying to remember, I think he had played the governor. Right. by then I was a big fan of the comic books as well mm. so we had a chat about that and he was just very funny and very cynical about some of the other guests that were there it was, right.
2: it was It was. a good night cool yeah, I, I think it's, it's a really good special I think it moves along with a great pace um, yeah. and again we've got this the whole imagery of it and the fact that you'd never know that the, the workhouse was the torchwood hub redressed which it just looks so good, it, and it just feels absolutely authentic. I mean, my only, the only thing that I really dislike is the Cyber King at the end stomping around. See, I think that's terrific,
3: it's there. Well, iron giant I, sort of thing, it's, it's fine. You, I've, you I've got something
1: specific. to say about the Cyber King, <coughs> and, and Davy, as a big fan of comic books, will maybe appreciate and even recognise this allusion. When Mark Miller, right. he of he blessed name, mm-hmm. uh, was invited by Marvel to take over the writing of the Fantastic Four years and years ago, maybe 10, 15 years. He said that he had a discussion with Stan Lee and Stan Lee's advice to him was just remember it's not the great, it's not the good the good four, it's the fantastic four. You know, you need to come up with storylines that are not just really impressive. You've got to come up with storylines that are really just out there. You sure, know, that's just, you know, mm. fantastic. Mm. And I think that... That is what Russell T. Davis brought to his Christmas adventures. He realized he had to do something different from your average, you know, your normal run of Doctor Who adventures. You had to do something that was really out there, really fantastic, and pushing the the boundaries of 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 where people stop suspending their disbelief. Sure. And I think having a giant Cyberman stalking Victorian London is so outrageous and ridiculous that it is perfect for a Christmas adventure. <laughs> yeah, I think it's And, great, and yeah. probably wouldn't have fitted in a normal run mm-hmm. of adventures, but it's perfect for Christmas because it's fantastic, yeah.
3: it's just out yeah. there. The Christmas ones, they always have that, the, the better ones anyway, they always have that sort of slight, even more sort of heightened sense of, oh, you know, like the... The motorway chase with the Tardis and the yeah, way for, for example, and the whole Kylie is a waitress on, tit- on, a, on a spaceship version of the Titanic, which is, you know, aye, I, just... I, I I do ho-
1: <laughs> I do, however, have a couple of criticisms. Uh-huh. Let me share. Mm. First of all, how many scelfs did the doctor and the next doctor get in the backsides as they are pulled across that warehouse Translation floor? For our
2: non Scottish listeners, scalf equals a splinter of wood. Yeah, they're
1: getting, they're getting dragged it's across true. a wooden yes, floor yeah. at a hell of a speed by that
2: cybershade. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's maybe
1: an edited scene is where they're getting them taken out by, yeah. by Rosita. <laughs> um, the Londoners, when they saw this great big giant cyber king uh, towering over them, they looked quite interested in it, didn't they? <laughs> they, they they're obviously saying, "Oh, look at that!" Mm. rather that. than "Oh my God, we're all <laughs> going to die," which is would be my yeah. reaction. But yeah. they didn't seem particularly uh, that interested. And and a more serious one, I think it was. I mean, goodness knows nobody can teach Russell T Davis anything about telling a story. But I thought that for the sake of redeeming the character of. Jackson Lake he should have allowed him to save his son not allow the doctor to do it Mm -hmm. the doctor had plenty to do Mm. and he saved London at the end they should have allowed Jackson Lake to jump up the, the, the rope and grab his son and take mm-hmm. him to safety. And yeah, I just yeah. think
2: that would have been... That would have been you'd learned from the Doctor, and that's,
3: again, yeah. the Doctor's legacy. Yeah, I mean, because there is that moment when, when, when you see him sort of in, the, in the, the stable, sort of having a moment of doubt, and then he kind of right, gets himself together and arrives and rescues the Doctor and Rosita from the sidebar. But you're right, that would have been the, the perfect sort of... um sort yeah. of icing on the cake as but he yeah. they did, they did at the end Russell T Davis did at the end what
1: you expect him to do at the end of a Christmas episode it just made you feel all lovely and warm yeah, yeah, when, when the Doctor wasn't going to go and enjoy dinner with him and I mm. remember in uh, Aliens of London or World War 3 when, when David, uh, Christopher Eggerson refuses to go for dinner with Rosie's family mm. and I always thought well that's probably like the Doctor but it's a shame yeah. and then a few months later You've got David Tennant sitting at home with mm, Rose and her yeah. family, wearing a funny hat and pulling mm-hmm. crackers. That's how I want the doctor to be. And when, yeah. when, at the end of this, when he thought we thought he was just going to disappear in the tARDIS, I thought, oh, that's a shame. And then he changed his mind. Yeah. Because that's a Christmas miracle, yeah. and that's what you want. I love, to I love when Jackson says,
3: big. says, um, walk this way, <laughs> and David says, I certainly will. It's a, it put me in mind of the the Monty Python sketch. You know, if I could walk that way, I wouldn't be having Christmas in Victorian London. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> I take it this is goodbye.
3: Onwards and outwards.
2: Tell me one thing. All those facts and figures I saw of the Doctor's life, you were never alone. All those bright and shining companions.
0: But not anymore. No. Might I ask why not? They leave. Because they should. Or they find someone else. And some of them, some of them... ...forget me. I suppose in the end. They break my heart.
2: That offer of Christmas dinner. It's no longer a request, it's a demand.
0: In memory of those we've lost. You've, you've actually gone and changed my mind. Not many people can do that. Jackson, if anyone had to be the Doctor, I'm glad it was you. The Feast of wits. Come with me. Walk this way. I certainly will.
3: <laughs> Merry Christmas to you, Jackson. Merry Christmas indeed, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a story I, I kind of... I don't watch it every Christmas because, if, you know, I've kind of not exactly sick of myself, but I've watched it a lot. I mean, as Kenny says, the Cybermen and the Snowster, I think, you know, they all, that's obvious what that's kind of thrown back to. And it's just such a it's just such a full-blooded story. You know, it's an excellent idea. And let's talk about how exciting it was, you know, the fact that we saw the Doctor's faces flashed up on the wall. That was the first time that everyone just, had been just, properly recognised. It, 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 it reminded me of when,
1: when I watched... As it was broadcast, mm-hmm. day of the Daleks, yes. mm-hmm. seeing the first two yeah. uh, incarnations of the yeah. Doctor, even then, that was always hugely exciting. Any mm-hmm. time they've ever done it, like at the end of Matt Smith's first adventure, over there, yeah. yeah. I just love it. It yeah. Sends, yeah.
3: A sh- sends a shiver up my spine. I mean, w- what I now. liked about it was because we know that people like Peter Davison and Colin Baker are fans and were probably watching it. And Colin Baker, I loved that. You know, yeah. he would have a bit in, of validation. Yeah, continued his treatment just, by the music. Just seeing him flashed up. The only tr- the only thing watching them now was that I wish. I wish there had been a cutaway back to Jackson or the Doctor between Paul McGann and Christopher Eccleston, because then that's when, yes. we, that's when Sir John could have yeah. taken in. I um, yeah. because we didn't know about Sir John at that point, but um, it's, no, it's, it's, the, I love it. What, one
1: other small criticism is that I didn't know that Cybermen could be dissolved by a woman screaming at them. <laughs> you know, which... It was a very yeah, high pitch. Yeah, it must have been, yeah. I thought, you know, there, there's a writer thinking,
3: God, yeah. let's get this done. shrill, yeah.
2: There's a phrase to remember.
3: Yeah, it's, it's on. It's, to this day. It remains my favorite. You know, new new series episode. Just because, again, it's, it's such a strong idea for a story. Next on the agenda. Mm. Tom. All
2: oh, right. Okay. Oh, before you continue, uh huh. What is this podcast's favorite Christmas story? Go. <sighs> oh. Just get on. with oh. Just just get us out of our misery now. The power of tree. What the f*** does that mean? <laughs> power of three? The power of tree? Christmas tree? It's not, power of is not a Christmas story though, is it? It <laughs> does work. It's the power of Christmas tree. Even for you, that is appalling. Oh, good.
1: I'm that, not even putting a sound effect in the list this week. <laughs> <laughs> that is, g- get out of my house. <laughs>
2: <laughs> why, <laughs> don't, why don't we go for some more tweets from our, our lovely listeners right. telling us their favorite Christmas stories. Here's one from Mark Owen on the Isle of Man. Not that Mark Owen, but from Aww. David Steele and Mark Owen. Uh, sadly, we don't have that slip to listen Now He said, a girl's best friend. Honestly. Oh, of course, yes. Canine and Company. Canine and Company. Um, Hold on, uh, was that a Christmas episode? Well, it did go out to Christmas, Canine and Company. On Christmas Day? Uh, just before Christmas. Well, it's a Christmas sort of episode. Um, David McNay has uh, suggested Part 8 of the Invasion, or uh, which he picked ahead of Part 2 of The Highlanders. Very nice, very nice Dave, very clever, good thinking outside the box there. Here's one from Roy Gill from Edinburgh, one of the big Finnish writers. Roy suggests one per Doctor please. Could he have Voyage of the Damned? Perfect high camp, high octane, Doctor Who Christmas disaster movie. Christmas Carol, can Matt Smith drop down my chimney at Christmas please? And Husbands of Song, Capaldi and Kingston equals Joyful together. Plus The Singing Towers crying emoji quite hard to put into, uh, into words, crying emoji, but there we go. He also was very tempted to go for The Christmas Invasion 2 for the sheer joy and novelty of Doctor Who at Christmas and Tennant's first story proper and killer Christmas trees and soup and sandwich. Tom Mitchell says, The Runaway Bride. If I were to pick an episode of Doctor Who to show to someone who'd never seen it, this has all the landmarks of the show, the Doctor stroke Tennant's range, sci-fi elements, great monsters, and on top of that, is both festive and funny. And our final one for now is from Joseph Smith. He says the majority of them are excellent, but a Christmas carol is the standout, big enough to be a movie and clever enough twist to still be Doctor Who instead of just sci-fi Dickens.
1: Before we move on to the third one, who wants some ginger wine? Oh, oh lovely. Non-alcoholic right?
2: oh, yeah. ginger wine. Because I will be driving shortly. So if you're listening to police, I am <laughs> having no alcohol. Uh, back in a second (laughs) in the meantime well tom's doing that i'll do a few more tweet readouts shall i here's one from reza met david who says ironically the snowmen i'm not sure i suppose i just really like the atmosphere and the concept of the doctor considering giving up until another companion comes along to lift his spirits again with nothing but curiosity wit and kindness we've got thomas's reactions he says the runaway bride because it introduces donna and A Christmas Carol, because it feels Christmassy. Which is absolutely true. Here's one from Corey Hale. Says, oh, Tom's is coming back, ginger wine. Corey Hale says, The snowmen, just for how great Victorian Clara is. And let's be honest, she was. Go for one last one here before we resume. Brittany Lou Who, who says, A Christmas Carol, forever and always. That episode is so near and dear to my heart. Catherine Jenkins' beautiful voice, the colours, the absolute wonder of Fish in the Sky, and of course the fact that the Christmas Carol is one of my favourite stories ever in general, which is good to know. Tom's back now, and we have. Cheers! A Merry Christmas to all of you at home. Indeed. <laughs> We're now drinking our ginger wine. Mm. Oh, heaven.
3: Oh wow, well, yeah, that's um, getting experience. Well, You'll know, see when you posted that photograph the other day. You'll start to make some. I was like, "Oh, I wonder." Just to taste <laughs> of Christmas, mean, doesn't it? It's, it's great. I wonder if my mum's going to make any of this. Christmas right? wouldn't be
2: Christmas without ginger wine. <laughs> right, Kenny. Yes, let's move on to a Christmas Carol. Was the twenty ten Christmas special of Doctor Who? It was the show's sixth Christmas special since its revival, and the first Christmas special starring Matt Smith as the Doctor. It was the first BBC Wales Christmas special, neither written by Russell T. Davis nor starring David Tennant. Like other Christmas specials before it, a renowned guest star was signed on to portray a major character. The special played host to the talents of Sir Michael Gambon, who was given two roles, portraying both the main antagonist and that character's look-alike father. A Christmas Carol was also the first Christmas story whose title was inspired by a previous Christmas tale, Charles Dickens's. A Christmas Carol. Who's, who's reading TadusFandom.com and not knowing that that's yeah. where the title comes from? I didn't yeah. know that. That's amazing. I've, I've learned something I new I love today. the fact
3: that they felt the need to point out that it wasn't written by Russell and didn't star David Tennant after they've just told us it was one starring Matt Smith. Indeed. Anyway. Also, this episode contains a small hint about Amy's pregnancy.
2: When the Doctor scans the crashing starship, the life signs show he is one more than there are actual people on board due to it counting the baby in Amy's womb. I I hadn't picked up on that I hadn't either, but I thought that was their honeymoon night, so there we go, instant reaction. Anyway, um, all of a sudden the big bang the previous episode takes on a whole new (laughs) meaning. Furthermore, it broke the record for least delay between US and UK premiere broadcasts of an episode of Doctor Who. Previously held by the end of time, whose US debut of part one was a single day later, the delay between BBC One and BBC America Easternmost in brackets there, broadcasts was a mere eight hours. Australia was equally well served with the delay being something on the order of seven hours, depending on the time zone. Behind the scenes, it was significant for the number of new faces in most apartments, more than in any other single episode since Rose. Of those new to BBC Wales, Doctor Who, the most prominent were those of production designer, Michael Pickwood, costume designer, Barbara Kidd, and editor Adam Recht. On the subject of a new costume designer, Matt Smith's Sheffield Tweet Jacket Ensemble made its debut in this special, replacing the outfit he wore during Series 5. It remained in use up to The Bells of St. John, a prequel, before Smith once again had a costume
3: change. Is anybody still awake? Come on, oh, guys, dear. wake up. Wake yeah, up. yeah. I of I, me. I mean, to be honest, that is quite interesting, the the fact that it was kind of... Um, Shown in America almost immediately because I remember when the first series went out. My pal Steve I mentioned earlier they were months behind. It's, and it shows what you know what a kind of the change in maybe I suppose global priorities about it, you know that it was it was getting shown on BBC America so quickly. It's interesting.
1: I, I picked this one. It, it's it's a difficult choice, isn't it? Nobody's going to be entirely hundred percent. No fan is going to be hundred percent confident that any one Christmas special is far and away the best. Head and shoulders above all the other episodes because they are all very good. But I just think if there was only one I could watch again ever, it would be a Christmas carol. I just think that it is, is a perfect um, example of a Christmas special. And I'll say Christmas special many times because whoever writes for
2: TardisFandom.com is, might be listening. And he obviously loves the expression t- uh, Christmas special. You should also put a copyright TardisFandom.com every time you say the words That's Christmas true. special. Copyright for Tand- tandem. What I was saying earlier about Mark Miller and the advice given
1: to Stan Lee uh, applies more to this than it does to the next Doctor. The idea that you can have a carriage being pulled through the skies by a killer shark (laughs) uh, and that plays an important part of the story is is, is of course ludicrous and it's where you start to get the distinction between science fiction and science fantasy when it comes to Doctor Who. I mean, I, I know there's always been a discussion about whether Doctor Who is science fiction, Technically, it's really not. It's science fantasy, and that's, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. I I think everything about this is amazing. I think Michael Gambon is is brilliantly cast, and he is brilliant in the role. I love that. I thought it was a beautiful song at the end. Catherine Jenkins. I met Catherine Jenkins once. Oh, I love Catherine Jenkins. And it's before she was in Doctor Who. Um, she came to uh, sing at the formal opening of St Panc- Pancras Station When I was the Railways Minister oh, So nice. I got to meet her afterwards And honestly I must have just, like a 13 year old boy <laughs> Just couldn't get a word out of my mouth I was so in awe of her She's tiny by the way mm-hmm. And uh, she, I mean, she is just stunningly beautiful mm-hmm. uh, and, and such a beautiful voice She was lovely in this I just love watching her She's just fantastic um, and of course, as I've mentioned before to you, Kenny about, and 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 indeed mentioned Stephen Moffat when I met him at the at the special preview for this, the MPs were invited to a Television Centre. A lot of this is taken from his own short story continuity errors. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, not not the actual story, but the idea that yes. you know when the Doctor couldn't get something from a very very kind of grumpy librarian, he went back into her timeline to make her a better person. It, and that story actually doesn't paint the Doctor as a good person for doing it. It paints him as a manipulator and a cynic and doing, and, and quite selfish. That's exactly what he is in this as well. Although he's doing it because he wants to save 4,000 lives on the aircraft, the the spacecraft, yeah. he, he doesn't, you know, it, it, they make no bones of the fact that there's something immoral or at least dodgy about changing someone's timeline to make them a better person because that suits the doctor i think that's a really interesting idea
2: i quite like the fact i think, which i never picked up on before when um the doctor's shouting to interesting what's that noise going it's a christmas carol a christmas carol and then you can see the realization dawn on realize this is how i'm going to get out of it and i thought that's quite a nice <laughs> wee touch which i would never picked up on before right. Right. just that and then particularly looking matt's faces though as the idea forms, he's so good in this episode. Oh, I think I think this quite possibly might be his best single performance. Yeah, he's so good with he's particularly good with children, the way he interacts with them. I think with him being so young as well, and he completely gets them, and mm-hmm. they get him because he is with a childlike nature in so many ways. It's from Earth, sir. Registering over four thousand life forms on board.
0: Uh. <laughs> Not if we wait a bit. <laughs> you can't just let it crash, sir. Says who? I'll get it there. Look, Petal, we already have a surplus population. No more people allowed on this planet. I don't make the rules. Oh, no, hang on. I do. I you Poor begging people. Off home and pray for a miracle. Yes. Blimey, sorry. Christmas Eve on a rooftop, saw a chimney, my whole brain just went, what the hell? Don't worry, Fat Fella will be doing the rounds later. I'm just scoping out the general chimneyness. Yes. Nice size. Good traction. Big tick. Fat Fella. Father Christmas, Santa Claus, or, as I've always known him, Jeff. There's no such person as Father Christmas. Oh, yeah. Me and Father Christmas, Frank Sinatra's Hunting Lodge, 1952. See him at the back with the blonde, Albert Einstein, the three of us together. Watch out. Okay. Keep your faith. Stay off the naughtiness.
2: I love the fact that we've got the spaceship is a complete complete Star Trek rip-off with the bridge of any of the USS Mm. vessels that we have there. The sharks flying about—what a brilliant image! I mean, what kind of mind does it take to come up with sharks flying around with all the fish as well? Uh, and what kind of mind tells you that's a Christmassy thing? Indeed, sharks at Christmas. I know the <laughs> Jaws movies are great at Christmas, but that's uh, a little different. I think it's so well performed, and I say Catherine Jenkins is great. She's so so beautiful. Her voice is great, and you'd never know if she hadn't acted before. She plays she plays it with a real real innocence and beauty. My, I think my favourite scene that I picked up on, again, watching this yesterday, was when every time she's taken out the fridge cabinet thing, Doctor! Doctor! Mm. Doctor! Doctor! Kazran. I think it was so beautifully done. It's quite subtle as well. And uh, I, I really enjoyed that. I think she's so good in this. And it's a real heartbreaking performance when you think... It's, a, ha- it's
1: a heartbreaking story. I mean, I, I say earlier yeah. on, you know, you want a Christmas special to end being uplifted and joyful and happy... This doesn't. She dies at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, and it's all about death and about mortality and there's no great cure at the end. You know, mm-hmm. you think, oh, the doctor's going to save her. No, it doesn't. She's got one day left
2: and that's it. Yeah, but she spends it joyously, which is yeah. the best way. I know that if I was told I'd have one day left, I'd be off You're doing something. else. Oh, so Riding a mind. shark through the clouds. Indeed. That's just so common to do these days. Oh, I, I think it's wonderful. And something that I particularly like is not letting Dave get a word, he's trying (laughs) to say something. Uh, The thing that I really, really noticed with this episode watching at the time was the set design things we mentioned there from our friends at TARDISFANDOM.COM about Michael Pickwood arriving. And my God, he is such a great designer. The fact that it's studio sets, but it actually does, we've mentioned before how some locations have obviously been studio sets like Happiness Patrol, but this one actually looks like a proper city. The fact that everything looks... You know, like it has been properly designed. Even simple things like the windows of the houses are portholes, which fits in mm-hmm. with the sharks flying about. And there's so many subtle things that he does. I mean, Pick, Pickwood's an absolute genius. I, I think he is, without a doubt, one of the the unsung heroes of twenty first century Doctor Who, carrying on for the rest of Matt's time and throughout Capaldi designing that wonderful Tardis, my favourite Tardis console room of all time as well, uh, which obviously I have for part two of season seven, but. I, I just think it looks great. I absolutely
3: love this. I don't like this one at all. Oh, mm-hmm. controversy! No, I mean I've said many times that Matt Smith is my favorite in the new series Doctors, but I I hardly ever rewatch any of his episodes because I'm I just don't like the the method and the approach. Um, at the time, how can he be your favorite Doctor? Because I enjoy his performance, right? I like I like what he does. It's it's interesting. A couple of points you made there, I've kind of I'll take it into account and so say you know I right I haven't really you know. The heightened fantasy because it's Christmas, as you see, the sort of the, the, they can get away with a, a slightly more sort of sense of unreality. That's 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 true. Um, I'll concede that. I remember at the time just being one of the things I didn't like at the time was just being really disappointed at how little um Karen and Arthur were in it. Um I was kind of really hyped for the It was
1: like a companion light episode, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was
3: kinda of, I was quite disappointed at that, but um it's it's a fundamental. I'm I'm quite quite sort of trad and quite old school, and I don't like I have a real issue with the doctor suddenly deciding that it's okay to change history. It's always it's always something that's been all the way through the program, and it's, it becomes one of these things. If the doctor can suddenly change this man's life because he because it some suits him in this situation, why the heck hasn't he done it in every single other story before? It's it's know, I I'm not a fan of of the of the Moffat method as we know, and this is one of the ones that that really really just I really don't like. It's almost like Mr Morvitt came up with a, you know, an impossible situation so he could break one of the rules that's been in the series since it was established. That you, can't, you can't rewrite history. You can't because, as I say, if you start doing it, where do you stop? And it's... Um, at, at the risk of getting into fan argument yeah. here, the whole rule about not
1: being able to change history... It all depends on whether you're aware of how this particular incident plays out. If he had been aware that that spacecraft had actually crashed and four thousand people had been killed, mm. he then couldn't go back in time. Well, see, I, well,
3: yeah, I mean, you could say that if you like, but it's it's still he's still interfering. I mean, what right does the doctor have? Oh, you listen, his, listen to the his, High Council of the Timelords. You no know, by, by his standards, to go back and interfere with this person, and I just and there's there's some. I mean, the stuff in it that really just gets him and gets him <laughs> a the doc, you know, I was saying about how the next doctor could be transposed into almost any other era, and, and it would play out, and it'd be quite interesting. I mean, I cringe at the doctor jumping down the chimney. I, I laugh That I, was but it's so rotten. funny. It's terrible. It's just you're like, rotten, and terrible. No it's, Boo. Just, no, <laughs> no, it's just, it's just, you know. Oh, well, thank you for ruining Christmas, so, Dave. So much of like, so much, of, so much. Hey, shush, I'm man. Wait, did, I, did I, did I make noises you Stewart were you were talking? Like so much of of that of of that era, I just it it makes me cringe. Um, there's some things I like, like the the guy on the the spaceship with his Jodhpur style visor. That's quite <laughs> funny. There's some nice subtle moments, like when Kazran suddenly realizes he's wearing a bow tie. That's quite good. Um, the guy who plays the sort of um the older young Kazran, he ended up doing a a really good story in the first Big Finish Churchill years box set. Danny Horn. Um, which was which was good. So I'll give them that. No, it's um. There's, there's, too many, there's too many things about it that, I do that just rub me up the wrong way. And I'm um, sorry to be a downer, folks. No, that's okay. But it's, um, Dave's but killed our Christmas. You right. know, it's, it's after the two of you was so positive about it, but to, me, to me it's a stinker. And when I watched it <laughs> when I watched it on Friday night, it's probably only the fourth or fifth time that I've watched it. Well, since, remember since to
1: transmission. remember, folks to tune in next week to Power of Two.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, folks. I, I, this isn't one that I rate at all. But it's not, it is, I'll say this though, it's not my least favourite Moffat Christmas special. Maybe we'll talk about that in the future. 12 <laughs> months time, let's find out what it is.
2: I was shopping yesterday and I was in Audi and I spotted some Lebkuchen. And some what? Lebkuchen, they're German gingerbread biscuits which right. are covered with either a, a frosted sugar glaze or some chocolate or something like that. And... I actually got felt a wee bit sad because my dad used to buy me these every Christmas and he's been gone seventeen years now. And I actually had a, just had a wee moment in the shop, and then I watched the Christmas Carol afterwards. And then when Catherine Jenkins started to sing that wonderful song, I admit I did get rather rather wet around the eyes and it and it did absolutely caught me in the moment. It was very Christmassy and just you know thinking of family and you know just when you're alone because both my parents have gone and it really did get me and just thought yeah. This is, a, this is very Christmassy and it's it's happy and sad at the same time. So I, I got just a wee bit extra from it yesterday, just thanks to some German gingerbread
1: biscuits. Very good, I think we can all agree that Dave is wrong on this one. And on that note, it's goodbye and a Merry Christmas from me. Merry Christmas everyone, um, love you lots.
2: And a Merry Christmas to all of you at home from me. Merry Christmas looking back at me oh.